Hey guys, welcome to Coffee with Chrissy. I'm your host, Chrissy Sanders. Um, so guys, a couple quick um, housekeeping notes. This show used to be called the It's Not Just a Game podcast, um, and it used to go behind the scenes of sports and entertainment, okay, with guests like that. But um, we decided to change the content of the show. And the reason that we decided to change the content of the show, because I just felt like as life went along, that it just kind of made a little bit more sense to kind of bring you guys a little bit more than what uh, that I had to offer, right? So um, going forward, we're going to be having candid peer-to-peer conversations across industries. Um, one of the biggest things that I, I really like to do in my life is constantly grow and evolve. And that's how I feel about this podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to grow and evolve. Another thing that I wanted to share with you guys is my experiences in business. And I just kind of wanted to actually just kind of go a little bit deeper, share with you guys some of my viewpoints on some of the things that I even think that are going on in business, going on with the market, going on in the world, and then, you know, just help you guys as much as I can with the knowledge that, um, you know, I have. Um, I felt like, um, you know, the world is in, in limbo right now and we're in a constant state of change. And I'm not saying that sports isn't important, but I do think that there's a lot more ways that you can touch people's lives by actually giving them practical and tactical advice right now. Um, So with that said, um, that's what we're going to be doing moving forward. So sometimes we'll have a guest, sometimes it'll be just me, um, you know, and and that's how we're going to do that, right? So it's just intimate you know, candid conversations about, you know, how to, you know, make your next move, level up, um, you know, make money, get involved in whatever industry you want to and go from there. Okay. All right. So, um, with that said, um, you know, I do not uh, charge a fee for the show. Um, I don't charge a fee for the show and I, and I don't come on here and sell, um, a million ads. Um, so at that point, the only thing that I ask you guys to do is to leave a review. And when you do find value in the show, please share it with others because what we want to do is we want to grow organically. Um, so uh, if you if you like the show, you know, please, if you find some value in the show, please leave a review, tag me in it so that I can actually see it. And then how I want to support you for supporting the show is I would like to, um, you know, read a review that you guys, you know, leave on the show. It could be good, bad or ugly, but even if you leave the show a terrible review, make sure that you leave a little bit of your contact information in there um, and your business so that we can, you know, promote you for, uh, I guess, trashing us, whatever. But (laughs) no, I'm kidding. But like, you know, but hopefully, uh, you know, we have uh, good reviews here, but (laughs) but, uh, just a little humor for you. But yeah, like, so leave a review. I want to support you for supporting the show. Uh, That's my soapbox regarding that. So today let's talk about what we're going to talk about here. So um, how to build out 40 cash flowing units in real estate uh, with with by using conventional financing, right? So like most people don't realize that you can do this. So that's why I want to share it with you guys today. But um before I start sharing that with you, I just kind of like want to stress the reason why we're even having this show, right? So 2020 was a crazy ass year and the reason it was crazy is because it was so unpredictable, right? So like I mean, it started off like with, you know, Kobe and then um and then 
it just got crazy in March. And then like, and what was, what was nuts about the whole situation with coronavirus is that basically like the whole backbone of America, which is industry workers, service workers, even people in sports and entertainment, everybody basically lost their jobs, lost their way to make income, lost, you know, their livelihood in the 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 stroke of a pen of a government order in March, okay? So at that point, like people like sports were shut down, leagues were shut down, um bars were closed, you couldn't do events, you couldn't do concerts, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. And I mean there's still a level of non-normalcy that's this that that that's happening in the world. And you know, and and people need a way to make money, right? And so like one of the big reasons why I even got involved in real estate even before this happened was because like maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because my moon is in Taurus. I don't know, but I really like predictability and I really, really like stability. Um, and, and the way I look at life is the last thing you want to do is with all the chaos and unpredictability in the world is to have a bunch of chaos and unpredictability in your finances as well. So even if, you know, COVID wouldn't have happened, imagine, you know, just say you're a journalist, imagine you're an events person. The world is so chaotic that like you could literally walk into the newsroom that you just got hired at and then somebody tell you, hey, you know what, we're we're laying off you know, the, the money that we thought we were going to make, we didn't make, or we're not going to make. And, you know, the, the job that you worked for, uh, to get for the last year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, however long you've been in the industry or whatever, um, is gone in the blink of an eye. Like, I mean, you, you, you know, last week you were posting, I got the job. Then next week you're posting, Hey guys, you know, anybody looking for anything? I'm happy to help you know, unemployed right now. So you you don't want that in your life. And so real estate allows you to basically create a level of predictability in your life while still maintaining uh, flexibility and maintaining a lot of freedom, right? So, um, you know, by you owning real estate and investing in it and collecting rents passively, at that point, it still allows you to pursue your passions, pursue your goals, but still allow you to have that predictability and, and income just so that um, you don't ever have to worry about, you know, how to put food on your table. And and the great thing about the whole situation is that, you know, like when it comes down to uh, passive income, one of the main things that you always want to look at is, is how stable an area is, um, how stable an area is uh, when it comes, comes down to, um, essentialness essentially like you know uh so like and when i say that i i basically mean that like at the end of the day people got to eat at the end of the day people have to go back to their house okay so if you have to eat if you have to go back to your house like you know and you're looking for passive investment opportunities probably you know real estate is a good option here okay um and then on top of that um real estate investing in real estate even though it is you know, a job for sure. Um, it's still not like, Hey, you got to go report to somebody at eight o'clock. Your time is tied up, whatever case may be. So you do have a lot of flexibility with your schedule. So 
how do you build out 40 units um, using conventional financing, right? So again, conventional financing is the same type of financing that you utilize to just purchase a house. So most people, when they, you know, become of age, like they get to their mid twenties or early twenties, the first thing that they want to start doing is looking at houses to buy, right? People get all in their feelings. They want a wife, they want uh, a husband, they want kids, they want a house, they want all these things. But, you know, one of the things that you want to start doing if you really want want to have a wonderful life as the number one cause of divorce is money <laughs> is is that you know you want to start setting yourself up for the future so um instead of you purchasing a house because if you just buy one door or you just buy one unit to live in like the same house that you think that you're creating an asset, even though you're like, hey, I'm not paying rent, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that same house is essentially a liability because it doesn't cash flow. OK, it's a debt, you know, um, and if, if it's a debt, it's a liability. So what you want to do is um, the first property that you buy, you want to make sure so so you want to actually live in one one side of the properties whether it's a duplex a three unit or a four unit so with residential financing you can get up to four units um you know oh and it still be residential uh, uh lending right now the other thing that a lot of people like to talk about which i definitely highly caution against is uh, using FHA, USDA, and VA loans. So the difference between a conventional and uh, FHA, USDA, and VA loans is that all three of those loans are government-backed. Conventional loans are not government-backed. So when you have a government loan, you got to really be careful because those those loans absolutely have to be a primary residence, right? Now, as we go through this strategy, you're going to see why it's important to use a conventional loan or the FHA loan or USDA loan or a VA loan, because essentially like those loans require you to absolutely make it your primary residence. Whereas a conventional loan gives you the flexibility to move out of the house, um, you know, cash flow it, just say if you'd like. Um, and then also um, it allows you to just say Airbnb it or whatever case may be. So again, I reiterate it because it's such a serious point here. Like FHA loans, VA loans, USD, USDA loans, although they, they are very attractive because the low barrier of entry and the low barrier entry is, is usually 3.5% down with F, FHA loans or even no money down with USDA or, or VA loans. But the problem is that when it's government backed, that means it's, it's government regulated, which means that you have less flexibility in how you use it as an investment property as you go over time, right? So that's why we want to stick to conventional financing here because the whole point is this property is not going to be your forever home, even though you keep it. Um, it's, it's just going to, it's, it's going to be your, your springboard to your other investments. Okay. So after you acquire, and so the conventional as well, when you use it as a primary, 
um, when you use it as a primary first and live in one side and um, and rent out the others, then at that point, it allows you to uh, maybe sometimes qualify for lower down payment um, with the conventional side. Um, with conventional, you will be putting down anywhere between five and 25 percent, depending on your credit. OK, so like, you know, I cannot necessarily definitively say what your down payment is until I see your credit report or and all and you know your whole file. But at the end of the day, um, just for a high level overview here, um, you know, that's the scale five to twenty five percent. Okay, now after after you purchase this property, the next thing that you want to do is you want to quit claim this property into an LLC um, so that you can start documenting the income. From the property um, and utilize the income from the property to cash flow. Um, uh, the, you, not using the income from the property to show the cash flow as you acquire more units, right? So um, most people always think that, like you know, there's gonna be a big rigmarole roll when you uh, are a self-employed borrower. But self-employed borrowers are absolutely welcome. But the problem is that they do require two uh, two years of tax returns, and the the problem usually creates with self-employed borrowers is that they're usually ill-advised by CPAs or, you know, people who maybe are on the internet telling people to write off their, their returns to nothing and do all these tax gymnastics. When truth be told, when the average self-employed business isn't, you know, making, you know, unless you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars, you don't need to kind of go through all these um, obnoxious tax um, shelter, uh, things just, just to, uh, you know, just to not show anything on your taxes, because from a lending perspective, you want to make sure that you are actually showing a a healthy and viable business so that you can continue to acquire, um, property. Now, like part of the, part of the, uh, biggest thing about this, strategy is is also building a team right so when you meet with a realtor when you meet with a mortgage person when you meet with the cpa like you got to kind of think about up front those are kind of going to be your go-to people is that you want to make sure that all three of those people truly understand the strategy that you're taking that you will be building out a portfolio and um and so that they can make sure that they're advising you in the right way and pointing you to the proper loan programs like perfect example is disclosing that to a mortgage broker like is important because at that point then they can tell you hey don't use a FHA loan because FHA loan needs to be a primary residence or you know your CPA they don't tell you if you're making $300,000 or $100,000 to go write your income down to 1500 bucks um for no real reason um you know to actually show that income right so as you so once you quit claim the property into the LLC you know going back to that then um you know over the next 2 years you want to start documenting that income um those rents and so that you can actually start utilizing those rents as income for your next properties. Um, so, um, so you documenting, you're documenting the income. Now, the other reason why that's important is because as you get qualified for more uh, loans and more properties, like another thing outside of credit that is considered 
when when you're uh, another thing outside of credit that's considered when you're actually purchasing property is your DTI, which is your debt to income. So the more properties that you have, the more debt that you the more debt that you're carrying. But that's okay as long as the income outweighs the debt by about fifty six. Point nine nine percent. But you know it, it varies based based on each mortgage brokerage that you go to, and it also varies on a bank. So the difference between a brokerage and a bank is banks usually typically have overlay, and overlay are basically um, you know is basically standards on top of standards. So just say like the average um, like Fannie Mae standards to get a uh, to to get an FHA loan, you need six forty. So if you go to a bank, just say if they have overlay, then they might tell you, hey, you know, it's 660 or something. You know, um, you know, if 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 Fannie Mae standards is, hey, you know, uh, 56, you know, percent DTI or 50 percent DTI, then a bank might have overlay in and say, hey, your DTI can't exceed 43 percent. And the reason that they have overlay is because banks jobs are not is not to, you know, do, do mortgage loans. Right. So like, that's not their core business. Their core business is to lend money to people, um, not in a home scenario. And so at that point they want to mitigate their risk as, as much as possible and also lend to the most qualified borrowers in order to, you know, preserve their own thing. So mortgage brokers, on the other hand, are Fannie Mae direct. So they go strictly by Fannie Mae standards, um, you know, so whatever it is that you see that, that, that the Fannie Mae standards are at the time, like for example, the Fannie Mae standards right now, the minimum qualification for FHA is 640, then they're going to go strictly on that. Okay. So, um, so like, so that's kind of like important to, to know just so that you kind of understand the difference here on, on what you're, what you're going to be doing. So going back to it, like, as you're building out this income, uh, you're showing more and more income on top of your W-2s that you already have. Um, so you're showing a healthy business and you're showing W-2s. So that allows you to have uh, more income that balances out the debt that you're carrying as you build out these um, as you build out these properties. Now, uh, so after you do that, another thing, too. That, that's possible as well and, and why this is advantageous is you can do this up to 10 times, right? So you can have up to 10 active mortgages at a time and you can finance up to four units each time. So at that point, you can build out 40 units technically using conventional financing, um, you know, without ever getting into commercial. Now, the, the the next thing that you're probably figuring out is, okay, well, why don't I just go buy a 40-unit building, right? Well, a 40-unit building, you may not have the money for, and you got to kind of understand commercial, and you have to understand real estate for a while unless you get a proper partner, Um Unless you get unless you get a proper partner um, that will allow you to kind of utilize their name and, um, and and credit to basically say, hey, like, listen, like we know exactly how to manage these units. We we have experience in this space because like one another thing that people don't realize about commercial lending is that it's not just credit and it's not just money down. So you could very well have 20% down, um, you know, to put, I mean, and 20% down on a million dollars is, is not a, is not chump change. That's another reason why you want to do this. Um, but 
also if you are uh so also if you are um thought here um but but if you're new to the game and and you're new to uh if you're new to real estate you want to make sure that you are uh you're getting the the proper experience because otherwise you you still might not be able to uh qualify for a commercial loan and also like i'm not knocking hard money or anything like that because you know i mean another thing too is utilizing hard money um it can eat into cash flow when you get into you know high interest rates and things like that so um you know sometimes um you know you got to weigh all your options I always say weigh all your options, but usually for the average person, um, that yeah, residential is probably in this four unit thing is probably the way to go because the same money that you would be utilizing to buy a house just for yourself to live in and that doesn't pay you and that you pay for, um, you could utilize and and actually just start cash flowing. So um, so uh, the next thing is, uh, so you, you want to also start thinking about as you're, as you're building this out. So your first property that you're going to build out is, is, is going to be in the market that you live in, right? Of course, because you're going to be living in, you know, one of the units, but also as you build this out, it allows you a little bit more flexibility, um, to start looking into other markets and start taking advantage of, you know, a better cash on cash return. So, um, you want to kind of look at markets that have a low acquisition cost, but have a, you know, a, a average, a national average or or net or, or above national average uh, rent rate. So perfect example is like Cleveland or or uh, Cincinnati or uh, uh, Detroit or um, what's another one? Um, some parts of Illinois uh what it's a couple baltimore so i mean there's a there's a couple different i mean they're all across the country so i mean uh you you know it is it's really about um and, and so because you want to maximize your, your cash flow here and, and also keep your DTI low as you are um, building out these properties. So like, you know, perfect example is if, if the average, just say if you, you go buy a, um, a property for $150,000, it's a four unit or something like that in Baltimore or in Cleveland or something, and you can charge, you know, 12 uh, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars of rent per piece. At that point, you're looking at you know forty eight hundred dollars or more in rental income, while still your while while still your debt to service to, to service that debt on the property is still low. And then on top of that, if you pick a nice turnkey property, your expenses will be low on on that as well. And um and another thing too is um just super important is that um when you have uh self-employed tax returns, you never want to show um you you never want to show um losses at all on your tax returns as a business, especially when you're talking to a lender. So even if there's a little bit of depreciation or something like that on the properties that you own, what you want to do is um, you want to show the depreciation because even the depreciation counts as income to a lender. So um, you want to make sure and depreciation is, is just basically, you know, you know, some level of value going down, but like, um, you know, you, you still want to show that depreciation in, in the property, um, you know, uh, just because that's also considered income as well. 
So uh, that that's that's pretty much it. So I mean, like, and and how you how you want to do it is you just want to just keep on going with it and be disciplined with it. You can even get a partner with it. Um, you know, I I don't recommend um, you know putting more than two people on a uh, on a mortgage application because it just gets a little bit complicated. Um, most lenders will go by your uh, middle score. Um, uh, like, and then on top of that, they're going to take the lowest of the two middle scores. So that's why, you know, keeping it at two people is, is the best thing is the best route to go. Because once you put four people on there, you know, all three people could have eight hundreds. And then if somebody is a six thirty nine, then you guys automatically wouldn't qualify. Um, you know, just because, you know, you, they go by the lowest one. So, um, you want to kind of keep that in mind, but what you can do is when you have an LLC or you have a corporation or whatever, you know, it is that you choose to use, you can always, um, in the quick claim, you can always put other people on the title and deeds as well. So at that point they can still maintain a level of ownership in the property, but, um, but they don't have to necessarily go on the loan. And then that allows you just say, if you, you want to bring partners into the deal and stuff like that, split up equity, however it is that you, you want to go about that. Yeah. So, um, I mean that, that's pretty much the notes and bolts of it guys. I mean, but, but I, I think it's, it's super important, um, to, to do, to, to just basically, uh, just be a little bit smarter about the assets that you're going with and, and what you're acquiring, because, essentially like, you know, equity will be income in the future. And I want to see, you know, people win and I want people to be taken care of and I want people to be comfortable. And so you want to kind of set yourself up early because you can always go buy a house. You know, once, once you get to where you, you want to go, I mean, you can always go buy a house, you can always get married, but you know, you, you definitely don't want to miss out on opportunities to create wealth because everything that you want, um, on everything that you want in this world, you know, it kind of takes money. And, um, and, and, you know, even when it comes down to, you know, picking a partner, like, you know, like a lot of people try to say that money doesn't matter and things like that. But, but truth be told, you can't tell me that, that you feel good about yourself when you see your, your significant other is stressed about bills or you see your, your child, uh, you know, can't necessarily get it, everything that they want and not to talk about spoiling kids, but, but just, you know, just say like, you know, just simple blocking and tackling, you know, needs and essentials. Like, you know, you don't necessarily want to, you know, go see your parent, go break their back every single day. Um, and go to work for the rest of their lives. So they're 90 years old. I mean, so this real estate thing is important. Retirement is important. Building wealth is important. Uh, and, and, you know, setting yourself up for the future is important. And, and that's why, you know, we're having this show today. Um, so I really, really hope that helps. And I really hope that, you know, you, you enjoyed this new format that we're going with. Um, I just wanted to just kind of share that. Um, I just felt like it, you know, it was something that people needed to know and something that people can just start strategizing and uh, putting into place, especially in 2021. Um, Another thing, one final note is uh, as you kind of go through this process, um, also understand that um, another way that it generates income outside of the rents is you can, you can also uh, cash out refinance as well, which allows you to basically keep the property while while taking out the equity appreciation. Um, 
on the on the asset. So, um, like you know, at that point, just say that the money that you that you get, um, you know, the the money that you get from it, uh, not the money that you get from it, but the the money that you put into it. Um, you you can kind of get your investment back, um, and then a little bit more pay back an investor, whatever the case may be, um, while while still maintaining ownership of the property. So it's it's great because the cash out refinance. You, I mean, you're gonna get the appreciation out, you're gonna get the equity out, and um, so you're gonna get you're gonna be able to get a lump sum of money. You know, in 12 months, you know, or more, however it is when you choose to refinance at the most advantageous time. And then uh, you're going to still keep that property and you're, you're, the, the property is going to continue to appreciate. So the I mean, an appreciate basically means the property is going to continue to go up in value. Um, and then uh, and then you're going to still collect cash flow while you wait for the property to appreciate. And then, um, and then once it appreciates and you get to optimal point in the market, then you can go and sell the same, the, you can go and sell the same property, you know, oh, that you, so basically you can kind of like hit tweak two times, right? So you're going to get the rent, which is the great hit. You can do the cash out refinance, get another hit and then sell it and get an ultimate hit. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a no brainer on ways to, you know, kind of generate wealth. Um, and, and just to kind of like set yourself up to have good cash reserves. Another thing is why you want to quick claim it into the LLC as well is because again, about going back to cash flow, as you build out these things, um, you know, you're going to need six months of cash reserves to show the lender that you are actually responsible and can be a good steward over, over money in order to take out more loans. Um, so at that point, you know, not only are you going to need to have money for a down payment and closing costs, but you also will need to show six months of cash reserves. Um, uh, so basically, and the reason why you have to do that is going back to 2008 or any type of crisis in general. So most of the time in a crisis, the first thing people are going to do is they're going to pay their primary residence. They may not pay um, their investment property. The people that live in their investment property just say for whatever reason may not pay them or and and then um, and, and, you know, with rehabs and stuff like that, you people, those are usually the quickest loans that people are going to default on. So um, lenders and banks and stuff like that like to mitigate their risk um, by making you put a little bit more down and showing cash reserves so that just say if shit goes to hell for, you know, six months at a time, at that point, you could still take care and cover that mortgage for, for at least six months, right? So it kind of uh, mitigates that risk. And most of the time in about six months, you know, even if something goes wrong a month or two, most of the time, half a year, people do can usually turn their situation around and, you know, get back on track. So those six months of cash reserves are super crucial. And so that's why, like, you know, uh, as you're quit claiming your first property into the LLC and the second property and the third and the fourth and so on, it's about really building up those cash reserves and building up the income so that you can show a profitable business and, and show a business model that's actually, um, that, that, that this actually, uh, you know, makes sense to a lender, um, to get behind and, and make them feel more comfortable lending to you. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the show guys. Um, so if you have any questions about that, 
um, or you want me to walk you through that, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, I, my DMs are always open, um, you know, or you can email me. Um, my email information is on all of my social media. Um, you can book, you know, consultations with me um, to talk about how to build out this. And, um, and you know, hopefully everything um, works out for you. So I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. I really appreciate you guys, um, you know, supporting the show. I hope that you like the new format. Um, you know, if you don't like the new format, feel free to leave a review on that as well. Um, but you know, like it, share it, tag it. If you find some value in it, please leave a review. I'm happy to read it and support it, um, you know, on the show, but until next time, have a good day and, you know, keep definitely being great guys. Oh, 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 oh,